0: So as I was sitting here in worship this morning, I felt God leading me to a place of confession. And so I want to start this morning with a confession, a confession that I have believed lies about who God is. I have made God smaller than who God says he is. My faith has been small. And so would you join me as I confess? God, I confess before you that I have been tempted to believe that you are distant. You are far away. You do not care. And God, these are lies. I know these are lies. And I confess that I have believed them. God, I confess that I have believed that you have forgotten your people. For this is a lie. You have not forgotten your people, and you never will. So God, as we open up your word today, would we be honest about where we are at, where we are coming from? And would we learn from your word about who you are, And would that bring us comfort? Amen. Amen. So the message that I need to hear this morning, the message that maybe you need to hear this morning, is that God has not forgotten you. I went on vacation and happened to be in Maui last week, uh, a day before the fires struck Lahaina the utter devastation that Lahaina experienced. I was in Kihei, and it was 30 minutes away, and we remained safe and unaffected. But throughout the week, it was really confusing to be a tourist. It was confusing to both enjoy the beauty of Maui, but also know that 30 minutes away, people were experiencing utter devastation. And I couldn't help but think, Do the people of Lahaina, have they thought God has forgotten us? I'm not sure. Perhaps they have. I wondered to myself, God, have you forgotten the people of Lahaina? And I wondered even further, if you have forgotten them, could you forget me? And so these were thoughts and doubts and lies that were swirling around me on vacation no less but i'm sure have been have come up for you in various ways maybe not because of this experience but because of other experiences and losses and griefs that you have faced in your own life i want you to be assured that if you have ever felt forgotten by god know that you and me, we are not the only people of God who have wondered, "God, have you forgotten me? Have you forgotten us?" In fact, our passage this morning from Isaiah chapter 40 is written to an audience which was quite sorry, which was quite certain that God had forgotten them. Isaiah 40 marks a major shift in the book of Isaiah. And even though I'm crying right now, I want you to pay attention because this is important. So so we're, we're getting to some of the logistics right here, but we've been in chapters 1 through 39 of the book of Isaiah. And these have happened during Isaiah's lifetime, and they are from the point of view of the prophet of Isaiah preaching judgment. An impending doom for the people of Israel. But now, we are after the exile. So Isaiah preached, then Isaiah dies, the prophet of Isaiah dies, but the book of Isaiah continues. 100 years after the prophet Isaiah dies, the exile in Jerusalem happens. The temple is destroyed, and the People in Jerusalem are deported to Babylon. So remember, chapters 1 through 39, Isaiah dies. A hundred years later, the exile happens. And now our passage, chapter 40, is happening 50 years after the exile. So what does that mean? That means that last week, Pastor Colleen was preaching uh, Isaiah 37 through 39, and now we're in chapter 40 and 150 years has passed. We have chapter 39, 150 years of silence has passed. And now the disciples of Isaiah have risen up again, and they are ready to preach a word to the people of Jerusalem living in exile. And I don't think you need to be reminded, but living in exile meant that they were refugees in a foreign land, It meant that they had lost everything. They had lost their temple. The presence of God had departed from them, and they were strangers in a foreign land. And so out of this silence, out of this despair, the disciples of Isaiah speak for God, and these are the words that they speak from Isaiah chapter 40. Comfort, O comfort, my people, says your God, speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that she has served her term, that her penalty is paid, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice cries out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up, and every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level, and the rough places a plain. Then the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken." A voice says, cry out, and I said, what shall I cry? All flesh is grass. Their constancy is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades, when the breath of the Lord blows upon it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Get you up to a high mountain, O Zion, Herald of good news, lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem. Herald of good news, lift it up, do not fear. Say to the cities of Judah, here is your God. See, the Lord God comes with might, and his arm rules for him. His reward is with him, and his recompense before him. He will feed his flock like a shepherd, he will gather the lambs in his arms and carry them in his bosom and gently lead the mother sheep who has measured the waters of the sea and the hollow of his hand and marked off the heavens with a span, enclosed the dust of the earth in a measure, and weighed the mountains in scales and the hills in a balance. Who has directed the spirit of the Lord or as his counselor has instructed him? Whom did he consult for his enlightenment? And who taught him the path of justice? Who taught him knowledge and showed him the way of understanding? Even the nations are like a drop from a bucket and are accounted as dust on the scales. See, he takes up the aisles like fine dust. Lebanon would not provide fuel enough, nor are its animals enough for a burnt offering. All the nations are as nothing before him. They are accounted by him as less than nothing and emptiness. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And obviously you can see that I have emotion, and it's because I've been in the midst of this story on my own for a while, and just thinking about those 150 years of silence from this book of prophecy. And then to have this be what breaks the silence, these words of hope and truth about who God is. And so today, I want us to look at some of the lies that Israel, in the midst of exile, must have been tempted to believe about their God. And I want us to replace those lies with the truth about who God is, And hopefully, the truth about who God is will bring us comfort. So we have heard that many years in exile, Israel was in mourning. And Israel was convinced that there was no one to comfort her. Lamentations is a book written by the prophet Jeremiah about the exile. And it opens hauntingly with these words about Jerusalem. It says, how lonely sits the city that was one, that once was full of people. How like a widow she has become, she that was great among the nations. She that was a princess among the provinces has become subject to forced labor. She weeps bitterly in the night with tears on her cheeks. Among all her lovers, she has no one to comfort her. It is clear that Israel started to believe the lies that God is distant, silent, and had forgotten them. But from out of the darkness and silence of the exile, when the literal presence of God had left the temple, and Israel thought that God was done with them for good, God speaks comfort. God declares in the void and responds to lamentations that I will be the one who comforts Jerusalem. God is not a God of enduring silence and distance. God is a God who sends the Comforter, the Holy Spirit, to remind us of everything that his son Jesus has taught us. If you are caught in the lie, like I was, that God's silence and distance from you will last forever, Ask the Holy Spirit to comfort you and to ground you in God's word. If you are experiencing a dark night of the soul, a time when God remains hidden, know that you are not alone. It won't last forever. God's tender and comforting, comforting words will come, just like they did for the Israelites. Another lie that the Israelites might have been tempted to believe while they were in exile is that the Babylonian gods are more powerful than Yahweh. Under King Nebuchadnezzar, after all, the armies of Babylon destroyed Jerusalem, and the Israelites were left as refugees in a foreign land. As God's chosen people abandoned under foreign rule, they began to doubt God's power. When you are feeling forgotten by God, do you doubt God's power in your life or in our world? Do you think that your enemies or your idols have more power than God does? But Isaiah 40 reminds us of the truth of God's majesty and power. We are reminded with beautiful images that the waters of the sea fit in the hollow of his hand. That to him, even the nations are like a drop from a bucket. Isaiah 40 reminds us that Yahweh is the foundation and knowledge of all wisdom For no one can name who has instructed Yahweh. No one can name who has counseled him. The Israelites needed to be reminded that Yahweh was powerful and coming with his mighty right hand to restore them and bring them out of exile. We too need to be reminded that God is powerful. God is our almighty creator our God beyond our comprehension, our God beyond our best reasoning. We need to be reminded, or I need to be reminded, of my smallness, my finitude, that we are like grass, that even the breath of God causes us to wither and to fade. When I am reminded of God's power and my smallness, I am reminded that I am not at the center of the universe. God is. Some of this language reminds me of the language in Job. Job's questions about suffering end up getting swallowed up in God's majesty as God reminds Job who he is and Job simply stands in awe. Job learns to trust rather than have all of his questions answered. May we be comforted by Isaiah 40, that in light of God's majesty and power, not all of our questions have to be answered. Another lie that would be tempting for the Israelites in exile to believe is that judgment was God's last word for them. After the exile happened, There was silence. We have heard this over and over again. There was silence for years and years. It was easy to think that God's wrath and judgment were the final word, that these were the final acts revealing God's character. And sometimes in the wake of intense suffering or chaos or trauma, because of the uncertainty that ensues in our life, we can begin to question God's character and God's goodness. I can be tempted to think that God is unloving or unforgiving. But Isaiah 40 reminds us, remember God's compassion. Remember his forgiveness. The Israelites are reminded that their penalty has been paid. Their service has been completed In other words, they have been forgiven. God was true to his word and brought judgment on Israel for their injustice and sin. But that was not God's last act. God forgave the Israelites. And Isaiah 40 reminds us of God's tenderness toward Israel. Verse 11 says, He will feed his flock like a shepherd he will gather the lambs in his arms and carry them in his bosom and gently lead the mother sheep. Lest we forget, when we are in a God forsaken place, God will gather us into his arms and feed us tenderly as a shepherd would feed his sheep. God is not holding on to his judgments toward us. We can walk in the freedom. Of his forgiveness. A final lie that the Israelites might have been tempted to believe is that the exile and the destruction and despair that happened were the end of their story. That destruction and despair were the end of their story. But destruction and despair are never the end of the story for the people of God. In Isaiah 40, God promises, through language of a king coming into battle, a king wanting to fight for his people, God promises to bring the Israelites out of exile. Verses 3 to 4 say, A voice cries, In the wilderness prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up, and every mountain and hill made low. The uneven ground shall become level, and the rough places a plain. I've always been confused by this language. What does it mean? Why does God need a highway? And Dr. Richter, an Old Testament scholar, helped me see that this language is actually battle language. The king needs a highway to be leveled out and cleared in the wilderness so that he can come with his army, he can come with his chariots, he can come with his weapons, and he can come and fight for and save Israel. God is promising to come to battle with his mighty right arm, to deliver his people from exile. For the Israelites, this came to pass when Persia overthrew Babylon, and King Cyrus of Persia issued a radical edict, letting the Israelites return to Jerusalem to rebuild the temple. Are verses 3 and 4 familiar to you? I hope and think that for many of you, they are. All four gospel writers, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, hearken back to these verses, 3 and 4 in Isaiah 40, when they introduce John the Baptist. Matthew writes about John the Baptist. This is the one of whom the prophet Isaiah spoke when he said, the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. John the Baptist is the last of the prophets who is crying out to prepare the way for the Lord. John the Baptist is crying out to prepare the way for King Jesus, who has come to save his people. Dr. Richter captures this parallel beautifully, and this is what she says. Yahweh, the creator of the cosmos, is going to march on the gates of hell, and every exile of Eden is coming home. God's restorative and saving work promised in Isaiah is fully accomplished through Jesus. Jesus will bring all the exiles of death, all the exiles of darkness, all the exiles of despair, home. I don't know where you are at today. Perhaps your faith is more vibrant than it has ever been. Or perhaps you are in a season of darkness, feeling like God has forgotten you. Whatever season you are in, I invite you to turn to Isaiah forty and find comfort in the truth of who God is. May you be comforted that God's voice rises out of the silence with tenderness, compassion, and comfort. May you be comforted by God's majesty and power, which is beyond our comprehension and which eases the anxiety of our questions. May you be comforted by God's compassion as he draws you into his arms. And finally, may you be comforted because God has not forgotten you. God has not forgotten you so much that he sent his only son to come and save you, to wage battle against the powers of evil sin and darkness, waging this battle on the cross for you. Comfort, oh comfort, my people, says your God. Would we hold on to these words of comfort? And I invite you in these next couple of minutes, and the worship team will give you a couple of minutes, to ask God for the comfort that he wants to give you. Ask God, how does he want to comfort you in this time? Or how might he be leading you to comfort others in your life? May you meet the tender God of Scripture as you pray. Thank you for listening. If you would like to learn more about the Free Methodist Church of Santa Barbara, you can visit us online at fmcsb.org. We pray this message has been a blessing to you.